Hey guys. How are we doing? Yeah. Uh, my name is Zeke. I'm with the Solar CG. Shout out. Uh, thank y'all for the opportunity. Um, I will be reading Psalm 23 um, in Yoruba. And quick shout out to mom for not bailing me out and making me learn this. Yes, <laughs> Oluwani Olusho Agutomi, Emiki Oshe Alaini, Omumi Dubule, Ninu Papa Oko Tutu, Omumi Lossi Iha, Omidi Dake Roro, Otu Okomilara, Omumi Loni Paono Dodo, Nito Rio Rukore, Nito Oto, Bimoti Lenri, Lari Afoni Foji, Ojiji Iku, Emiki Oberi Bikon, Itoriti, Oluak Balumi, Ogore, Atiopare, Wontimininu, Iroteta Bili, Onjesile, Niwajumi, Ni Oju Awan Otami, Iwoda Oro, Siminori, Agomisikun, Akuwasile, Nito Oto, Iret Ati Anuni Yomatomi Lane, Ni Ojo Ayemi Bogbo, Amen. This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Come on. Thank you to God. Thank you. Hey. What up, what up, y'all? We're doing good? Good, good, good. Hey, uh, last full week in Psalm 23. So we ready? Cool, cool. Next week, we'll be doing Celebration Sunday, and we will do an overview of sorts of this psalm, but this is the last day that we're diving into this uh, deep and at large, and so I would really uh, hope that we continue what our desire was at the start of this series, and that it kind of culminates today, that we would find healing, uh, that we would find rest, that we would find comfort, that we would find joy and celebration, that we would find the presence of God here in this sermon today. And so I'm praying that he would meet us in really beautiful ways. Zeke, bro, thank you for uh, reading that. I started tearing up when I heard that. Um, man, I, just, I love that. I think it's wildly dope that we can read this psalm when the series is all said and done in 16 different languages because of the diversity of our family. Uh, I think it's super dope. Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, And we could have done some more too. It's just some didn't make the cut. That sounds really bad. Like some languages were worse than others. That's not what I mean by that, all right? It's just we only had 16 to do. Amen, all right. So, uh, man, I'm really excited. Also, I can see y'all's smiles. We're preaching along today. All right, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, We're gonna be focusing on verse six in Psalm 23. We will read the whole verse, which reads as thus. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We'll be looking at God as our goodness and our reward today. God is our goodness and God is our reward. I've got goodness and I got mercy. Hallelujah, glory, hallelujah. Watch out, KC. Where you at? Ready for this, all right? Here we go. Hey, there's a ton of beautiful things in this text. Uh, This psalm is essentially broken up in two different sections. And the first section sums up David's experience of the psalm and essentially says, life is better now in Christ. That's the first idea here is that life is better now in Jesus. When it's all said and done, our life is better. My earthly life is better because I dwell with Jesus. 
David, he turns personal here and is essentially applying what he has sung about in the previous verses. He's applying the truth that he's been trying to implore the nation of Israel to sing about. And his most basic explanation is that life is better now. He would say in Yahweh, same person for us, we would say in Jesus. So why is it better? Firstly, notice you get God's goodness, the text says. Notice that David is confident of that. He says, surely the goodness of God and mercy shall follow him. Because David has formed his allegiance to God, he's sure of this, and he's confident of this, that he gets God's mercy and that he gets God's goodness. That word good there is the same word used in Genesis 1 when God saw the creation and said that it was good. It's actually somewhat of a vague Hebrew word, which I believe that David intentionally uses a fairly vague word. The word good can be translated in multiple different ways. It can be translated as pleasure or pleasurable, as favorability, as perfection or completeness, as moral goodness, as beauty. It's a general blessing of God. Good can be translated as the special blessing of God. And so God's pleasure, it follows you. God's looking upon you favorably follows you. Ooh, come on now, no amens there, right? God's perfection follows you and one day will make you perfect in him. God's beauty surrounds you. God's morality covers over you. God's blessing is upon you. A follow-up from last week, God is just straight up good and he blesses us, amen? Like this follows you all the days of your life if you are in Christ. It's not just God's goodness though and the full encompassing idea of goodness, but it's also God's mercy. This is actually the Hebrew word hesed, which means covenantal or steadfast love. It's probably one of the most important Hebrew terms and it doesn't translate well into any language outside of the Jewish language. And it's kind of like love and feeling and generosity and graciousness and and loyalty and commitment all kind of combined into this one idea. And so loyal love or steadfast love or covenantal love, the never giving up love, mercy, grace, covenant, sacrifice, that's what this word entails. So really what hesed is, is there's a promise keeping loyalty that comes from a deep personal care. Now, don't sleep on that. There's a promise-keeping loyalty from God that comes from deep personal care. There's a loyalty that God has towards you because of a deep affection that he has for you. Hallelujah. God looks upon you with this blessing. It's not a conditional love. It's actually uh, purposeful in the idea that it's outside of something that we can produce because it depends on the character of a perfect one and the character of our God is perfect and his hesed or his steadfast love is over you forever, not based on anything that you have done, but based on who he is. This is hallelujah good news. This is who God is. There's this loyal love. You know, the thing that we all desire, that each of us in here craves deep down to be loved without end. That's what's following us, the text says. Now, we got to be ready to worship today, y'all. All All right, look, I ain't fronting. I know Sagi said we all worship in different ways, and I agree with that. Like, some of us get hyped. Some of us just sit and we chill and watch the game, and we love that. But listen, we're going to have to really let this sit in, y'all. 
God's loyal love, the thing that you desire, it is following you all the days of your life. There's this beautiful truth here that David is essentially communicating, look, all of these things that I'm trying to say, all of this wrap up, it just comes to the fact that God is good. That God is good. Now the word follow there, you just saw highlighted on the screen, that's a really important word there too. Because it's not the idea of follow, like kind of like how a puppy dog follows someone. You know what I'm saying by that? Like that's not what God's love and his goodness is like. It's not like a baby duck to a mother duck, you dig? That's not what's going on here, okay? And it's also not like, hey, like come follow me, the way that we would tend to think about it. It's not just behind us. The love of God does not just tail around us. The word is actually used throughout the scriptures as chase or pursue or even persecute is how that word is translated as. So when the Egyptians followed the Israelite with their armies out of Egypt and they followed them into the Red Sea, they were following or chasing or pursuing to persecute even is how that is translated. So God's goodness, it's not just there, God's goodness chases. God's goodness, it sprints after, it pursues, it overwhelms us. Those are better ideas about that word follow there. There's a phrase that we use of the spirit where we have called him the hound of heaven. The holy hound is what we say. He doesn't let go. He chases and he grabs and he holds on to and he keeps forever. Many of us actually know this of God, do we not? Like we know what it's like to go astray from God and then to have him hound us down and to pursue us and to not let us go. Glory, glory, hallelujah, right? Listen, his beautiful heavy hand will be upon us to chase us. This is true negatively when we flee from God, but it's also true positively when we cling fast to God. And I would argue we see this more clearly the more we cling fast to him. For as we cling a hold of God, we realize how great his love is for us. It follows us, it pursues us, it chases us. This is the gentle hesed of God, this steadfast love that pursues, and yet there's an aggression in the pursuit where as he meets you with his gentleness, the aggression to follow you will not let you go. This is beautiful, it's a both and aspect of God. Thank you, Jesus. And this is true our whole life, David says. He says, all the days of our lives, God pursues, he gives us goodness. Like, ask the saints that are older than you, church. God keeps on getting better. That's what's true about our God is he keeps on getting better and better. The more you understand him and the more he reveals who you are in him, the goodness of God becomes that much more clear. You see, the more we cling, then the more we see and the better he gets, and the more we realize life with Jesus is better. And can we just keep it a buck, y'all? Like, can we keep it real in here? You know this to be true, don't you? Like, if you really think about it, you know this to be true because not only do you get the benefits of what it means to be in Christ, but you also miss the consequences of what it means to be outside of Christ, right? See, I think a lot of us, like we discussed last week, we look at the one thing that we don't have and we miss the thousand blessings of Jesus. Satan makes us think that life ain't all that great outside of Christ. He makes us think, or inside of Christ, that outside of Christ there are these blessings and he lies to us and he says that life in Christ is harder. Can we keep it real, my guy? Right? 
Like, listen, do you know where I would be at without Jesus? Like, I need a few witnesses to that this afternoon, y'all, okay? Do you know what life would be like outside of Christ? Listen, I would be wretched, y'all, and I know it. I know it because I experienced life outside of Christ long enough to see where it was taking me and to remember what it was like to be outside of Jesus. Listen, I ain't gonna lie, I actually think I'd be rich and successful outside of the gospel. Like straight up, y'all, okay? Because I've always been a hard worker, all right? I ain't capping, all right? And so what happens is, is I believe that the enemy and my own flesh at times says, see, now you a pastor with your broke self, <laughs> right? Like, and apart from, uh, apart from Christ, you'd be rich, my guy. You'd be dripping in here, okay? And I think that, except what I realize that uh, the enemy does not tell me is that I would, in pursuit of that, end up being a slave to money, and I would allow it to ruin my family if I ever did decide to settle down because I was wretched in that area as well. So I'd be rich and I would gain the world, but I would not just lose my soul, but I would lose my friends and my sanity. And Christ saved me from this, y'all. Christ delivered me from that where my life is now better in Jesus. Can we keep it a thousand in here? Can we be honest? Listen, I think in this season, I would allow corporations to use my blackness, my safe blackness, by the way, in this current season to rub the salve and the balm onto their consciences, and I would become a puppet for my own glory hunger rather than be honored by God for who he created me and how he created me and find comfort in being myself. Is that too real? Uh, is that good? Yeah. Like, I would not fight for reconciliation. I would use it rather than endure it for your sake. And I would use it for my own status and my own glory. And I would try to position myself so that I can receive more. I could go on and on with this. I know that I would allow my pride to overwhelm my relationships. All of the loneliness that I remember experiencing outside of Jesus. All of this trying to measure up that I felt in my soul over and over and over again. What I'm saying is my life would suck outside of Christ. He didn't just save me into eternity. He saved me into now. Can I get a witness in here? Shoot. Do y'all know what life is like outside of Christ? Like some of y'all have just come to Jesus in the past year. Do you remember what your life was like outside of Jesus? Do not allow the enemy to come and to lie to you and to look at the one thing you don't have in Christ and act like it's better outside of Jesus. Life is better in Jesus for Jesus makes life good now. He makes it good now, family of God. Listen, that addiction that was about to ruin you, right? That pride that would have left you lonely, we can go on and on, okay? You need to bump the lie that the flesh is telling you. Listen, the brokenness of the world is real, and the world does still cut us up, even at times for being a Christian, which we'll talk about in our next series. In First Peter, we'll look at that as well, and we'll see evidence of this. So I'm not saying that life is easy in Christ. The fall is still all around us. We desire the full goodness of the kingdom of God, but at times feel the brokenness in the world that ends up hurting us and even fracturing us. And so we know that things aren't what they should be. What happens at times though is that the enemy in those moments of brokenness tries to sneak in and speak lies and he tries to get us to or we tend to in our own flesh focus on the lies of the enemy versus speaking the truth to our souls that remind us of what our life would be like outside of Jesus. Y'all don't feel me. Y'all must have forgot what it's like being outside of Christ. Y'all remember this? 
right? Maybe you got saved your whole life, then just look at the people around you, y'all, and remember what it is like outside of Jesus. Like, look, I get it, Christian, brother, you lost your job. I get it, that sucks, yo. And I ain't capping on that, right? Like, sincerely, sister, you lost that relationship. That sucks. I'm not downplaying the brokenness of the world, but you have Jesus. You have Jesus. Do you remember what it is like to go through that without Christ? Do you remember what it is like to lose and to experience the fractions of the world without Jesus? Trials are real and trials are hard, but those trials are just shadows. The trials are not the evidence anymore for Christ has removed that. And so even your suffering now is better because you are not suffering alone. My God. Life is better in Christ. Look, I'm not saying that the Christian life is necessarily easier, but I am saying the Christian life is certainly better. You are not alone. And if Christ would have left me, I would have ruined everything around me. Life is better in Jesus. That's David's first point. You get goodness, you get mercy, it's hunting you down, it is clinging to you, glory, hallelujah. But that's not all, right? David goes on to say that life is better then in Christ as well. So not only is life better now in Jesus, but life is better then in Jesus. We don't just get saved now, we actually get perfected forever. Notice David's confidence again. He says, surely, and then twice in this psalm, he says, or in this verse, he says, it shall and it shall follow me. There's this truth to this that David's saying period to, despite what the misery of the valley says and the mystery of redemption and the majesty of the mountaintop confirms that God's mercy will bring us into perfection. Whew, y'all missed that. This is good news, y'all. The goodness of God is coming, and he is literally going to bring better and better until we are there with him, finishing that work, despite what our suffering might proclaim. Straight up, y'all. The sufferings of this broken world do not proclaim a better truth than the salvation of our broken Savior. Now, all right. We need the worship team up here because, look, I'm about to kick something over here, Okay. We need to start worshiping in here, y'all. Do y'all believe this? Do you remember this about Jesus? Can you begin to allow that to sink into your soul? Can you begin to allow it to remind you of, of what it means to be in Christ? Listen, we know where we are going. We know where we are headed, and it is life with God forever. It is forever in the house of God. We will trade this cross for a crown. This is not the end. As we sing about, this word dwell here, this word's fresh to death, y'all, is a really significant word in the scriptures that will. You can always tell the significance of a word in a culture by the number of times they use this word to describe it. And so, for example, the, the Inuit people who are in uh, Alaska, they actually have 52 different words for the word snow. In Texas, we have one word. <laughs> Snow, that's it, <laughs> right? And this word ain't that important to us, which, praise God, by the way, because snow is of the devil, amen? Like, there will be snow and help. Bet me a meal in heaven on it. Bet me a meal, all right? If we in the kingdom, we're gonna be like, oh yeah, there's snow there, okay? So look, 
There's 10 different words for this idea of dwell in the scriptures. So there's a lot of different words for this word that we kind of only have two words for in English, like dwell or live, okay? And in the Hebrew word, this, uh, or, or the Hebrew language, this word for dwell that's used here is the most common usage of this word. It's used in the Bible over 1,200 times. So it's a really important concept. At basic, it means to rest or to make your home somewhere because home is a really important concept in Scripture. It's a little nugget for somebody in here, okay? It's used for things like marriage. It's used for things like living, like abiding, the the deep presence of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. David uses this term to say that he is going to live in God's house forever, To say it different, David is confident that God's home is going to be his home. (laughs) Like what? Like, Like think about that, right? Like think about the, like if you walked into church today and you rolled up to me and you was like, hey yo T, what up man? Hey yo man, I love your family. I'm gonna make your home my home. (laughs) I wouldn't know if you was trying to insult me or fight me. I wouldn't know if that was like a compliment. I wouldn't even really fully know what you're saying here. God's home is going to be David's home, is what David is confidently saying here. God's home is going to be your home if you are in Jesus. Listen, y'all, your life is better now because you are in Christ. You better believe that. But your life is going to get significantly better because the home that you will dwell in forever will be the home of God. This is good news, right, Mary? This is good news. This is a glorious truth that we need to walk in, that we need to see the weight of and feel it and allow it to minister to our souls. Not only did God make his home amongst us, but he also made his home available to us in Jesus. And now all who believe his home will be our home. Let that sink in, y'all. Let you feel the weight of the reality of that. Like if I told you today, if I walked in here and I said, look, Bill Gates is gonna give you his house today. I don't know if Bill Gates has a dope house. I'm just assuming he does, okay? (laughs) Or if I walked up and like that dude you love from MTV Cribs, if you're old enough to remember that, right? (laughs) He's like, look, I'm gonna give you my house, okay? Or Elon Musk is like, yo, man, here's my house, all right? You'd be lit, right? You would catch the Holy Ghost in that living room the moment you got that deed. You be ready to go, okay? Your home is going to be God's home. I'm about to walk off, Adam, come on. Your home is going to be God's home. Do you realize what this is saying here? Elon Musk's home is a cardboard box compared to the kingdom of God. And whatever home you desire is nothing compared to the kingdom that will come. Listen, y'all know the struggle. It's real. Y'all live in Austin. Most of y'all can't afford a home. And you desire it, do you not? You long for it. Does it not kind of plague your mind? Do you not long and think, man, when am I going to get in that house? You better hope that heaven plagues your mind more because there's a greater home you're going to. There's a better home that you are going to abide in. I pray for y'all all the time that you'd find a house, straight up. Like, it's an often prayer of mine because I don't want the inability to find a home to kind of fracture the family that we have here. Like, I want us to be a family. So I literally pray for it all the time because I know how much it costs to live in Austin. Do you know how much it costs to live in heaven? The death of God's son. And yet his hesed has laid it down for you. For God so loved the world, like we just sang about, that he laid down his life that you might live with him. 
that his home might be your home. My, my, my. Listen, y'all, some of us, I think we focus too much on the present and we miss the kingdom coming. And so because of this, we cannot heal because we don't realize where we're going. I think for some of us, though, we focus so much on the kingdom come and we don't realize that the gospel is applied here now. There's healing here. And so there's a mistake if we lean into either side. But David is imploring us throughout this whole psalm that life in Jesus now is better and life in Jesus then is better. Look at how David says this here in this psalm. There's this comprehensive nature of the psalm where he says, all the days of my life I receive goodness and mercy. Look, I don't even want to go past that comprehensive nature he's going there. Think about what he's saying here, y'all. This mercy will continually flow from the fountain that is Jesus. It'll continually pour out upon us this pardoning mercy, this protecting mercy, this sustaining mercy, this supplying mercy. God gives mercy. Holistically, mercy has washed over your soul, family of God. There's this conveyance, it shall follow me, he says. It is coming with us. There's this continuance, all of my life, he says. There's this consistency, this constancy in Jesus. He says, all the days of my life. So not just here and there, like all of my life, I experience it when I'm six and I experience it again when I'm 30 and one more time when I'm 70. No, every day. There's this constancy that Jesus is pursuing us and is making us more like him because he loves you and he chases after you and there's this affection for Jesus that is over you. There's a certainty here. It shall follow you. There's even this clause in the midst of it that says, it's not just true now, family of God. It is true then as well. We could go on and on and on. God is good, y'all. God is good. Do you believe that? Do you feel that? Do you allow that to rest into your soul? And blessed family of God, we know this to be most true because of our true shepherd, Jesus. You see, Jesus, he actually lived in heaven. He was in perfection. The home of God was his home because he is God. This is his house. In fact, all throughout the scriptures, we see that Jesus is actually seated on the throne, the one that all attention is given to because all things were created through him and for him and by him, which means heavens is his. And he sits there in throne. He had goodness in Hesed because he is goodness in Hesed. He is that in his fullness. He dwelled in the kingdom and yet Jesus left heaven and tabernacled amongst us. He dwelled with us. Jesus lived on this earth and he suffered and he died as if there was no goodness in his heart and no goodness in this world and even no goodness from God the Father. Because even though he was perfect, he received nothing but the punishment of God, paying for our rebellion so that if we believe, he might take upon the wickedness that we literally have been baking up and the wages that were due for that wickedness was our death. And Jesus took that upon himself so that if we believe we get life now and life eternal, God's hesed brought forth the love of Jesus. For God so loved the world, it says. So don't let your Old Testament view of God be all twisted because you see some of his discipline over the nations. God's love has always been the same. His hesed has been there so much so that he sent his son 
so that whoever believes in him will not perish. This is what you get when you believe in God, the love of God, eternal life. Eternal, by the way, means forever, which means it starts today. Have you ever thought about that? It's not just there, it is today as well. And so yes, life may present difficulty east of Eden, y'all, outside of the garden, in the wilderness. Life may present difficulty, but Jesus stepped into the wilderness to bring you into the house forever. Jesus stepped in that you would come into the presence of God. This is the truth of this psalm. And so where do we go with this? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, I want you to make two very easy application points, y'all. The first application point is come to Jesus. Y'all, come to Jesus. You who know Jesus as Savior and as Lord, do not let the suffering shift your gaze to the brokenness of this earth. Come to Jesus. You who are a Christian, I am imploring you, come to Jesus again and come to him again and again and again. He is moving, he is redeeming, he is chasing you with his mercy even in suffering. And for those of you who do not know Jesus, my strong imploring is come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Life is better now in Christ and life is better then in Christ. Come to Jesus. We're talking about heaven here, but for David, it's not about the destination, it's actually about proximity. He desires to be close to God. Just a few Psalms later in Psalm chapter 27, verse four, one of my favorite verses in the scriptures, David goes on and he says in this Psalm, one thing that I have asked of the Lord, and one thing that I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to inquire in his temple, to gaze on him, to be near to him, to come near to Jesus, because David gets that God is good. Whom have I in heaven but you? Nothing. David does not desire to go to the kingdom if God is not there, because God is what life is. We come to Jesus, the second application, y'all, is I would encourage you bring others into this goodness as well. Part of our healing is actually being on mission with Jesus. You see, when we're on mission with Jesus, when we tell other people about the goodness of Jesus, then that goodness and mercy really follows us in a very tangible way because we remind ourselves of the goodness and mercy that we have. You see, when Anthony was up here earlier talking about Sway or whatever restaurant it was, right? He was like, top five, false, but that's okay. It, it is really good though, right? But all of a sudden, I literally started remembering, oh, that was a good restaurant. And I'm reminded of it. And he reminded himself, when you tell other people about Jesus, you're reminded of his goodness and mercy. And so when we are on mission with Jesus, we remind ourselves of the goodness of Jesus and it builds up our souls. David, just as he is imploring us through this song, he says, look, we get to tell others and, and bring them in. And so part of our healing is mission with him. And part of our healing is walking in the goodness of God and coming to Jesus. And so for some of you, man, your next step with Christ is to get baptized because you've never done it. You've never actually walked into baptism. We're doing that next week, y'all. 
get baptized, not out of some weird obligation because you want Jesus, in that you are identifying with Christ in his baptism, and you are trying to remind yourself of the goodness of your salvation. And so do that. For some of you, the application might be, look, just come get prayer at the end of the gathering that you would actually believe some of the things that we are saying a little bit more deeply. Whatever it might be, I'm imploring you, come to Jesus. He is good, y'all. Family, listen, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste it. Seek after this Christ. He is our goodness. He is our reward. Perfect goodness and loyal love will be what we experience when we allow the Lord to be our shepherd. Do you hear that? Perfect goodness and loyal love will be what we experience when we allow the Lord to be our shepherd. Let us always cling fast to him because he loves you, family of God, and he's pursuing you. And so in the brokenness, would you look to Jesus because he's crying with you, y'all? And in the joys, would you look to Jesus because he's celebrating with you, y'all? And when all of it may seem cloudy and when you're in the valley and it's hard to see up or you're on the mountaintop and sometimes it's hard to see the horizon that's above it, right? Like at every moment, come to Jesus. He is worthy. He is good. And I pray that we would forever be a church that holds on to that desperately. There is nothing, there is nothing, there is nothing better than Jesus, family of God. Let us cling to Jesus. Amen. Yeah, I love you guys like crazy. Let's pray. Man, Jesus, thank you for being our good shepherd. As we read about and learned about and thought about in this psalm throughout this series, God, I love David's culmination. You are good. You are good. Man, Jesus, I just, yeah, I pray we would actually believe that. Maybe part of this is us being on mission with you where as I'm talking about you, I feel like throwing this thing off the stage because I'm just reminded of your goodness. So for some of us, as we speak about you, would it remind our hearts of your goodness? God, for those of us who have not experienced this goodness, we do not know this hesed in the way that I talked about it. We've never felt a covenantal love, a loyal love from God, from divinity. I pray that we would begin to experience it today. I pray even, God, in fact, this is what I pray. I pray for us who are believers, I pray that in a moment we would sing as if we actually believe this is true. We would sing of his goodness and of his hesed and of his mercy and of his love as if this is a true statement. And that that would implore our hearts to remember who God actually is. And God, for those of us who do not know Jesus, I pray that they would experience you through our singing. That friend today, even as we're singing songs, I want you to see that we really believe this, yo. This ain't fairy tale. This ain't, this ain't because we're just trying to do the little Christian thing and feel good about ourselves. We're a broken, jacked up people. And we've been saved by a broken savior who is perfect. And yet laid down his life so that we can have life eternal. And so God, for those who do not know Jesus, I pray today they would know you. And God, for those of us who do know you, I pray that today we would know you. <laughs> it's the same prayer. Would we know you more? Would we walk in you more, 
Jesus. Christ, I love you. We thank you. We praise things in your blessed, your beautiful name. Amen.